the last time we had a lesson with me, it's getting hot. Okay. <laughs> what did we talk about? Yeah, when I was here. The seven churches. There is a there is a person we talked about when we talked about the seven churches. She's from the fourth church, and I do not expect you to know what the fourth church is. Somebody here was the fourth church. I think it was Al-Kiram because I remember Jezebel. High five, right there. Yeah. So today we're actually talking about Jezebel's husband. So which is why I wanted you. I wanted you to remember what church. Um, what? <laughs> Um, all right. I'm very excited about today's lesson, okay? And I don't want my excitement to not, to be like a hindering where I'm not communicating the full story to you guys. So uh, if I need to slow down, please tell me to slow down. If you have questions, please ask me the questions. But this whole week, you guys have been on my heart, on my mind, and how I wished and I prayed that you would be as excited about this as I am. Um, last week, it was what, Easter? Right? And the week before that, it was also Easter. Um, on the theme of uh, being Easter, we're going to talk about the Lord, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Okay? Uh, and what better way to do that than to go back to the Old Testament? Right? Um, I have a question for all of you. Who watches the show CP? Chicago PD. Chicago oh, Police Department. Arkinan watches the show. You've heard of, okay. Let me, let me give you a really good episode of how Chicago PD starts, right? Because we're about to be very cliche today, all right? I'm, I'm going to be very cliche. Do not use it against me. Every single episode, the show starts with, so Chicago PD, let me tell you, there's a whole set, uh, there's a team of people, right? So let's say Baba is the leader of the team, and he's like a very smart, intelligent man, and he has a whole team behind him. Every episode starts with the team, one member of the team, he's talking to like a bad person. Let's say Shadi's the bad person, right? So Baba's team is having a conversation with Shadi, and you and I, the viewer, know that they're having a conversation because they're setting a trap for a shoddy. Oh, oh, they're about oh. to catch shoddy, right? So as the more the episode Dang. goes, the team shoddy finds out that Baba's team is trying to play her. So mm. she sets a trap for him. Uh, so it's uh, all intense. I kid you not, every single time my heart is like pumping. One of my favorite characters, his name is Jay. I'm like, oh my God, Lord, can you protect Jay? I'm praying for Jay, y'all. Because <laughs> he's, he's pretty, he's, he's pretty handsome so as, as I like I'm eager and I'm shaking in my boots and then an ad comes and I'm even more scared and then once the story continues you figure out the trap that Shadi has set for Baba's team it's actually a bait to catch her I know it's like flip yeah Pot twist. Pot twist, boom. so I'm just getting played so we're gonna be Shadi's right Shadi sets a, Shadi sets a trap mm. Baba twists he switches the story and that trap she said is actually a bait to catch her does that make sense if you take any, anything away from today, let, let it be this phrase, this cliche phrase. The trap itself is the bait. Okay, when you think of Easter, remember that the trap itself is the bait. It will make sense at the end. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 20. What did you, what's the lesson? I mean, what's the title? The title of the lesson, I don't have one. So we'll figure, <laughs> we'll figure it out at the end. I have a phrase for you. I don't have a little. So... Today, we're going to name one character uh, Ezra. Is that okay with everybody? Yeah. <laughs> cool with it. And he's going to be uh, an agreement, everybody. Ezra is Jezebel's husband. Okay, we're going to call. I'm going to be naming people because I want you all 
to, to fully see. I want you guys to see the flow of the story, okay? We're going to make this a little bit of a drama. Is that okay? I don't want to be just... This is going to be a nice drama, okay? So we have a king. His name is Ahab. A-H-A-B. Ahab. 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 King Ahab. Who knows King Ahab? An evil man. He's Jezebel's husband, or also known as... Ezra, good job. Hey, don't hate that. So remember, the phrase for today is that the trap itself is the bait, right? And then we have this king in the Old Testament. King Ahab is the seventh king of Israel. He is one of the worst king of Israel. Actually, he is the worst king of Israel. He uh, he hunts down Elijah. Who knows Elijah? Everybody in the room, right? We love him. He's the prophet of the Lord. He's married to Jezebel, Al-Kidan, on the other hand. Um, sorry, God. And, and, and what Ahab does is he, he remember, Israel is who's, 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 who does she belong to? The Lord. the Lord. Israel belongs to the Lord. He anoints a king. He places him on the throne, Ahab. He takes Israel, and he hands her over to a different god. His name is Baal. Because his wife, the wife that he married, right? Is everybody following? Yes. Jezebel is from a different nation. She's not from Israel. And one of the things that the Lord said is do not intermingle, right? Do not marry from a different tribe. And he goes, he finds a beautiful wife. He says, I want you. And then when he brings her, she brings her God. She says, I'm bringing him to you. He brings her and he asks her, what do you want, Jezebel? She says, I want a temple for my God. And he says, well, <laughs> okay, I'll get you a temple for your God. That's the kind of king Ahab is. He has no regards to the word of God. Example one, chapter 20, verse 42. Let's get to know um, Ahab and then Ahab. Sorry, guys. 42, and we're going to read 43. Baba? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is 1 King chapter 20, 42, 43. Okay. 1 Kings chapter 20. Is it 42 or 43? Yeah. Yes. He said to the king, this is what the Lord says, you have said Free a man I have determined should die. Therefore, it is your life for his life, your people for his people. Sullen and angry, the king of Israel went to his palace in Samaria. Yes. Who? Where is he from? Samaria. Can we say Samaria? Samaria. Samaria. All right. One more fact. <coughs> we love facts. Samaria is one of the towns that was okay with intermingling with other countries, right? When Jesus comes, he's like, you guys don't even know who your God is. Remember when the lady goes to get the water? She's like, well, we worship him on that. Because they were so mixed up. And the reason for that is the scheme. Thanks, King. I, I have, I have. I bring up this story not just because I want you to get to know the kind of king he is. I do not care about the story in chapter 20. Our focus is going to be 21 and 22. But I want you to know that he's a terrible person, right? Keep that in mind. He let a man go free that God had determined to die. The Lord said he wants the king of Assyria to die. Here's the summary of 20. And then Ahab finds out that the king of Assyria has a lot of resources. Right? Why kill him if you can be partners with him? So he says, you know what, friend? Why would I kill you when I can intermingle with you? That's all he does. He mixes everything up. He takes the Lord's stuff. He mixes it with a different nation as long as it benefits him. And then the king of, of everything, the Lord shows up and he says, I told you to kill him. Why is he still alive? What does he tell him? He says, I want your life for his life. I want your people for his people. God is a God of vengeance, and he doesn't forget. 
So let's pick up on chapter 21. This is going to be the focus of our story. Chapter 21, I want someone to read from verse 1 to 4, and there's a lot of reading. So everybody will get a turn. Can somebody volunteer to read chapter 21, verse 1 to 4? I'll read it. Thank you. Chapter 21, verse 1 to 4. Mm -hmm. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to the Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the place of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it's so close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I'll pay you whatever it's worth. Mm -hmm. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. Mm -hmm. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. Amen. Thank you. So on verse 20, he was sad. He went to his house in Samaria. And he is a king. He owns all the pretty lands in the, in the nation. And then here he is. He lays in his bed, and he's sad, and he's depressed. And then he looks out the window, and he looks at Naboth. He looks at his land, and all of a sudden, this man desires to have that man's land. He goes out and he says, Naboth, give me your land. What does Naboth say? He says, no, may God forbid I give you my land. Here's how bad Ahab is. In Leviticus 25, 23, you do not have to turn there. The Lord is doing what? He's giving out lots to, this, to, to Israel, to Jacob's kid. He's saying, let's say these are the 12 kids of, uh, of, of, of Jacob. He says, this land is yours, that land is yours, that land is yours, Nadi, that's your land, Shadi, that's your land, Kaddis, that's your land. And this is the one thing that the Lord says, you are to never sell your land. You are to never give away your land. And then on Numbers 20, uh, 36, Numbers 36, 7 through 9, he talks about not trading lands because the owner of that land, the true owner of that land, who is the true owner of the, of the land who gave Israel the lots? God. Israel belongs to God. So, but every person has a designated land. And he tells them, you are never to sell it. What is the king of Israel doing? He's sinning. Not only that, he's forcing his people to sin. And the Lord is going to come in and he's going to accuse him of exactly what he's doing later. And the punishment for people who trick others to sin is, is it's heavy. So what he's doing is he's not just buying a land. He's committing sin. What is he doing with the land that he's buying? What did we say? He built what? A temple for what? An idol. What's the first commandment? Do not worship any other god but Yahweh. He is evil. In, in every sense of the word. So there's a righteous man, Naboth, who loves the Lord, who obeys the word of God. How do you know that? He's keeping his land. He says no. This is how bad this king is. He tells him, I'll give you a better land. Then why would you want his land? If you have a better land, why are you asking? Because he wants everything that's of the Lord. Right? He says, I'll even pay you. Why? Keep your land. But he wants everything that belongs to the Lord. But Naboth, he only has that land, right? And for Naboth, it's not just the land. It's, 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 it's a remembrance of what the Lord has done for his ancestors, right? If you, if you trace back Naboth's story, it goes back to who? Jacob. And then it goes back to who? Isaac. And then it goes back to who? Abraham. This is God's hand. This is God's handprint on that land. 
He doesn't want to just give away the Lord. No. He says, no, 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 I'm keeping my land. He goes home. He's sad. He's depressed. And then remember, who's his wife? Jezebel, the worst woman in the biblical story. Let's pick up the story again. Remember, we have a righteous man who loves the Lord, keeps the, words, the Lord's command. We have a king who doesn't obey the word of God. He doesn't obey the kingdom of the Lord, and he's the king of Israel. Jezebel enters the story. This is really what happens. We're going to pick up on verse 7. We're going to read all the way until 10. She comes into his room, their house, and she, this is literally what she says, paraphrasing here. She says, aren't you a man? Why are you crying? And she says, you know what? I'll take care of it myself. That's exactly what she says. Somebody read from verse 7 to 10. Is it 21? Yes. I think it's worth it. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 7 to 10. Jezebel, his wife, said, Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth, the, Jezreel, the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed a seal on them, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with him. In those letters, she wrote, <clears throat> Proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people. But seat two scoundrels of opposite of him and have them bring charges that he has crushed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. Thank you. Did you see what she did? Right? She, sh she shows up and she's like, wait a minute. He won't give you his land? And you're crying about it? I got you. Right? <laughs> what a wife. <laughs> and this is what she does. In the name of religion, what does she say? She says, declare a day of what? Fasting. What is she doing this under? These are, the, this, these are the town of who? The Lord. These, these are still Israelites, guys. I know there's Baal in the city, whatever, but they still know the Lord. Who, who, who does fasting belong to? The Lord. The Lord. She's twisting what? The, the Lord. Lord. She's taking the words, the word of what, what, what the Lord has been doing with Israel, and she, she turns it into evil to hurt who? The faithful child of God. And the name of religion, she says, guess what? Go out, declare a day of fasting, and then these are the, the accusations she brings against him. And when I say this, if this doesn't ring a bell, she says he cursed who? God and the king. Did he curse God? No. Did he curse the king? No. Is he being falsely accused? Yes. Is he being put to death? Yes. Okay. Oh, snaps. <laughs> <laughs> the disrespect. Oh yes. In the name of religion, she kills Naboth. And she does something very specific. I want you to remember this because there will come a scripture in the next few chapters. When, when, I, when it really hit me, I screamed and my mom ran upstairs and I was shaking and I, t I called Nardi, okay? <laughs> I want to picture, I want you to picture this in your head. Naboth, Baba, you're Naboth, okay? This is one of the accusers, the scolders. Muki is one of the scolders. An opposite side, they're accusing him. Okay, and they're saying he cursed God, he cursed the king, let him die. Opposite side, Naboth in the middle, being accused. All right, let's keep going. So in the name of religion, Naboth is put to death. He's, he's stoned, and here's the thing. She collects nobles of Israel. That means these are people of God. They are unknowingly putting him to death. Without knowledge of what they're doing, they're putting a righteous man to death because she wrote a letter. She put whose seal on it? Her husband's seal. And the seal of someone and the name of someone means a lot in the kings in, in, in Israel. That's a whole lesson on its own. We're not going to do that. But if she puts a seal on it, it means the king is approving and this person is to die. Right? 
So she puts a seal on it in the name of religion. He's put to death. The righteous human is put to death. The righteous person, Naboth, is put to death only for protecting his own inheritance, what belongs to him. Okay? What does the Lord do? He gets angry. God gets angry. And he sends Elijah. Do we know Elijah? Yes, we do. He's the prophet of the Lord. Elijah comes into the story. My man is coming into the story. All right. So they put uh, verse, I'm not going to read it because I'm realizing we don't have time. So on verse um, 20, oh, girl, trust me. Verse 12 to 13 captures exactly what they do. They sit him, they sit him on the side, uh, left and right. Two scolders come and, 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 uh, and they accuse him and they, they put him to death. That's verse 12 and 13 if you just want to go ahead and read it on your own. Verse 16, when Ahab heard that Nobath, Nohabeth, Nohabeth has been put to death, he gets up, he gets really excited, he goes out to capture the land. He's, he's excited, he's running down. And at the same moment, the Lord is, is speaking to Elijah, uh, the, the faithful prophet of the Lord. He, he tells Elijah, this is what the Lord says. He says, Elijah, King Ahab has committed sin. He killed my servant. Go out and talk to him. Go meet him. And so Elijah runs and he goes to meet King Ahab on the land while he's inheriting it. He's taking over the land. They meet face to face. This is the first thing Ahab says to Elijah. So he says, so you have found me in my, you have found me an enemy, in some word like that. Because he knows he did something wrong. He knows that his, his wife just committed a huge sin. These are the three charges the Lord brings against King Ahab. Baba, can you read verse 20 all the way to 26? Same chapter, verse 20 to 26. Ahab said to Elijah, So you have found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. He says, I am going to bring disaster on you. I will wipe out your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and that of Vasha, son of Hajah. I guess. <laughs> because you have aroused my anger and have caused Israel to sin. And also concerning Jezebel, the Lord says, Dogs will devour Jezebel by the walls, by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city, and the birds will feed on those who die in the country. There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel his wife. He behaved in the violent manner by going after idols like the Amorites, the Lord drew out before Israel. Amen. So the Lord shows up, and he he's very angry, right? He's saying dogs are going to devour you. These are the three charges that he brings against him. He says, you have sold yourself to do evil, right? First one, verse 20. If you read the book of uh, Ephesus 4.19. What? Ephesians. What did I say? You said the city of Ephesus. I'm sorry. Ephesians. I have been, you know, they are in my heart, the seven churches. So the book of uh, Ephesians 4.19, the Lord talks about giving yourself away and, and selling yourself to your own desires, right? Doing whatever you desire and, and, and just selling yourself away to, 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 to do evil. That's what he's doing, right? He indulges in everything he desires. He wants a land, he's going to go get the land. He wants a wife from a different nation, he's going to go get Jezebel from a different nation. He is someone who's fully dedicated himself. He sold himself to do evil. The second thing he, that he brings against him is he caused Israel to sin. Somebody turn to Matthew 8, 6. Nadi, can you turn to Matthew 8, 6? 18, 18, 6. And then, uh, yeah, Matthew 18, 6. 18, 6. Uh-huh, and then 
Ezra, turn to Colossians 3.5. What, what are the two scriptures? Matthew 18.6 and Colossians 3.5. Nadia, can you read 18.6? Right. So if you ever wondered what the worst sin you could ever do is cause somebody to sin. Right? It says if you ever do this to somebody, and the Lord's punishment there is very clear, and, and, and it's evil. These are the three things he brings against them. He says you made Israel sin. You have sold yourself to whatever you desire. And the third one is is, is going after idols. He says you've, you've gone after idols. And um, I know it's very clear in this scripture that the idols is Baal. Like, <laughs> Jezebel brought Baal into the city they're worshiping. But there's one extra idol I want to bring. Uh, I want to just give the stage to, I guess. There you go. I want to know. Ezra, can you read Colossians 3 5? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Thank you. Greed is idolatry. And who's greedy? King, I mean, he's the most greedy person. He wants a land. No. Well, he has a better land. He offers a better land to somebody because he wants what belongs to God. What more is there, like what better word describes a greedy man? You just want something that belongs to the Lord. You will give everything up just so you can have what belongs to God's people. That's greed, right? So I just wanted to highlight that. I don't want us to think of when we think of idolatry in this story, it's not just Baal, it's his greed as, 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 um, as an idolater as well. So the Lord shows up. When, while he's going to inherit his, his, his land, God meets him through Elijah. He shows up. And I want you to remember this. God says, I will kill you and your wife and your family members. And what will eat them? Dogs. Dogs. That's the punishment. And then what happens is, um, I'm just going to mention this. On verse 29, it says, Ahab has humbled himself before me because he has humbled himself. I will not bring disaster in his day, but I will bring it in, in his house during his son's day. I bring this up because Ahab does sort of calm down. He goes, oh no, like what did I do? But remember, this man is evil. He goes out and he sins again, and then the Lord knows that too. Because what does he say? I will just not bring disaster on him right now, but I'll bring disaster later. God doesn't go the sin unpunished. He doesn't go the, 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 the blood of Naboth unanswered. Right? The word of God says the blood of uh, Abel is screaming, right? The blood that you shed it screams to the Lord. It cries out to the Lord. A heart cries out to the Lord when she's hurt. And God doesn't let it go unheard. So we pick up on chapter 22. This is where the story gets really fun. Real fun. Real fun. Okay. Um, and you're probably wondering, what does this have anything to do with Easter? I promise it'll make sense. Okay? Oh, <laughs> I thought it already okay. did. All right. So King uh, chapter 22. This is the story. You probably have heard this story before. Now we have King Ahab, right? And then we have another king in, jo in Israel named uh, Joshapeth. Who wants to be Joshapeth? Can we have Muki be Joshapeth? We got King Joshapeth and King Ahab. Good yeah, job. All right. So this is what's happening. They want to go to a city called Amariah. <coughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Ramoth Gilead. Lead. Yeah, Ramoth Gilead. Ramoth Gilead. Shh. 
right. So the two brothers, Ezra. Oh, sorry. The two brothers, Ezra and Muki, King Ahab and and, and Joshapeth, they want to go and and conquer a, a, a city called uh, Ramath Gilead. And then Muki, as wise as he is, he says, "Is everybody following?" Muki says. I know the story is really long. I'm like telling you two different stories. I'm sorry. But Muki says, wait, 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 slow down, Ahab, because we always know who's wiser. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, let's say the younger one says, wait, 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 King, 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 King Israel, slow down. I want us to seek the Lord's face first. Right? He says, why don't you go and ask the Lord what he thinks? And then so my beautiful uh, Ezra gets up and he says, you know what? Yeah, let me get all my prophets. Ezra, say that. Let me get all my prophets. <laughs> <laughs> so he brings, he collects all of his prophets, and he, how many prophets does he bring? He says he brought 400 men. Okay, let's read verse 4 all the way until, uh, Baba, are you, no, I'm so sorry. Okay, from 4 to 8, the end of 8. 22. Yes, First Kings 22. Okay, verse 4 to 8. Joshapeth. Oh, wait, how many how many prophets? Four hundred. Don't trust me. <laughs> Whatever you want it to be, you can even call him Muki. Yeah, just just call him Muki. It doesn't matter, but I need you to read it because we don't. I don't have time. Verse four. So he asked Joshua, "Will you go with me to fight against Rehoboth Gilead?" Joshua replied to the king of Israel, "I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses." But Joshua also said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord." So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about four hundred men, and asked them, "Shall I go to war against Rehoboth Gilead, or shall I refrain?" Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. But Joshua asked, Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom you can inquire of? The king of Israel answered to Joshua, There is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesied anything good about me, but always bad. Yes, thank you. So, guys, when I tell you I'm so excited, this story is so good. When I, this might be my favorite story. So here's the thing. So Joshua, the, the two brothers, are we listening? Ezra, you, your head better be up. So King Ezra and, and Muki, they're about to go into a war. They're like, let's ask the Lord. And then they bring 400 prophets. And it's like, let me give you an example. This is why Joshua is like, is there no other prophet? Are they not prophesizing? They are. They say, go get it. The Lord will give it into the king's hand. That's exactly what they say. But why are they questioning what the prophets are saying? Let me ask you, if I walk into this room, Rabka walks into this room and I say, guys, do I look good? And everybody in the room says, yes, you do. You have a nice haircut. Everybody's word for word. Do I, do I not say, oh, wow, you're all liars. Like, what are you saying? Right? Especially if he says you look good, you have a nice haircut. I'm like, you don't even know my name. That's why they're questioning it. Every single one of them are saying, go, the Lord will give it into your hand. And there are two kings in the story. King who? And they're saying the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Which king? They, 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 it's, 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 they don't even know. So he gets angry and he's like, am I getting the land or are you getting the land? Is there no other prophet? And there's one man in the city. His name is Micah, right? 
What, is, what does the king say about Micah? I hate him because he never prophesies any good. Verse 14, if you look at, well, this is what Micah says about himself. Micah himself, he says, I will never prophesy something that's not from the Lord. This is who Micah is. I want you to know this because when we start reading this, wait. Okay, so verse 14, it says, but Micah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. Remember that. Micah can only speak who, tell, what, who tells him. The Lord. Then re- read, read verse 15 for me. 15 to, uh, yeah, just 15. Read what Micah says when he shows up. Remember, I just, one more thing. I really want you to know this. 400 prophets. All 400 said what? Go, the Lord will give you the land. What does Micah say? Read 15. When he arrived, the king asked him, Micah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or not? Attack and be victorious, he answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Who said this? Micah. What, the, what is going on? Micah shows up. He says the same exact thing as the 400 prophets. Right? All right. Right? All right, verse 16, said, the king said, how many times am I me? should I make myself clear? Nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord, right? The king is now upset. He's like, you showed up. I don't even like you, and I still invited you, and you're still saying the same thing as the other 400 prophets. What's going on? And then Micah said, well, you want the truth? I'll give you the truth. Please, somebody, for the love of God, slowly read the story for me from 16 all the way. Nope, no, 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 no. Yes. From 17 all the way down to 23. Slowly. Everybody else, pay attention. Okay? Yeah, Shadi wants to do it. 17. Do you have a specific version or no? An IV. Okay. It doesn't matter? No. All right. Let me give you a little bit of summary because I really want you to get this. 400 prophets plus Micah 401 all said the same thing. Go, the Lord will give you the lamb. In chapter 20, Jezebel, she did what to, to the righteous man? Tried to set him up. Tried to set him up to put two scolders left and right. Said that he cursed the Lord. Deceive, dece, dece, deceived him? Yes. Deceived the whole nation of the Lord so that the righteous man can die. And chapter 22, this is what God is doing in his kingdom. Read 17 to 23. <laughs> you got me, okay. But the Lord said to Elijah, Go down to meet King Ahab of Israel, who rules in Samaria. At first Kings 22, 17. Yeah, like, oh, I'm in 21. It's okay. My bad. It's okay. 17, right? Yeah. 17. Oh, then Micah told Okay. Then Micah told to 23. Yes. Then Micah told him, In a vision I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, Their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. Didn't I tell you? The king of Israel exclaimed to the Jehoshaphat. Yep, him. He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. Then Micah continued, Listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the armies of heaven around him, on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions. And finally, a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. How will you do this, the Lord asked. And the spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, says the Lord. Go ahead and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of all your prophets, for the Lord has pronounced your doom. What's the phrase? The the trap itself is the bait. Pay attention. This is what happened. 
He tells him, I want you to tell me the truth. I'm tired of you. Everybody else has been telling me this. Make it clear. And he tells to him, you know what? You want to know the truth? You're going to go up and you're going to die. Israel will be like sheep without a shepherd. That's what it means. You're going to go to war and you're going to die. And he says, didn't I tell you? This man always preaches trouble about me. But here's what's happening in the kingdom of God. God is doing what? Who's, who's on trial right now? Ahab. And he has, what does he have on right and left? What does the Lord have on the right and the left? Accusers on the right and left. And he's having a conversation. He's saying, how should we punish him? How should we punish who? Ahab. And then they, someone raises their hand and says, I'm going to send, the spirit of the Lord raises his hand and says, I'm going to send a spirit that is deceitful. Who speaks what? Lies. Do you get the point? In chapter 21, a righteous man was put to death. A righteous person. Jezebel did the same thing. What did she do? Accusers on right and left. She killed him. When the time came, when God decided to move and punish the people who put Jezebel to death, I mean, now both to death, to death, sorry. He almost mimics everything they did so that no one ever forgets that God is venging who? Naboth. He's a God of vengeance. He will never forget that you've been wronged because he cared so much about his righteous man. He puts two scolders on life. Like, this is the same exact thing that you did. Why has every prophet been saying the same word? Because every prophet is hearing the same thing from God. Go, the Lord will give you the land. Right? Ahab is thinking, I'm going to go. I'm going to trap the city of and I'm going to take them down. And God is saying, yeah, go. I'm setting a bait so I can take you down. Does that make sense? He put a righteous man, he accused him, he killed him, and God rose up and he says, his death will not go unnoticed. I will punish you. And the way I punish you is that Israel forever will know that I punished you for what you did to who? Naboth. The story's not over. Let's keep going. God is a God of vengeance. Do you understand that? They go into war, and they're winning. Well, actually, before we go into war, so they get really mad at um, Micah. They smack him, and they throw him in prison. And the, the last thing the king says to him before he walks away is he says, you're going to only eat bread and water until I come back. And Micah responds and says, if you come back, then I lied. So <laughs> there's a summary. Go read it. It's really funny. Um, that means he's going to be eating bread and water for a while. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so they're at war. And it's going really well. They capture Joshapeth. No, it's not going really well. I'm sorry. They capture Joshapeth, and Joshapeth starts crying. And so I'm giving you a summary again. Go read it. The Lord's Word is like a drama. And so the, the people of the city, they're like, well, if he's crying, he must not be the king. The king is out there. So all of a sudden, in the middle of all of this, somebody read 34 to 34, 34 to 35. 34 and 35. God read the Sarah, 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 but someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. The king told his chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of, out of the fighting. I've been wounded. All day long the battle raged and the king was propped up at his chariot facing uh, Aramis. I think. The blood from his wound ran onto the floor of the chariot. And that evening he died. 3.38. Go down to 38. Mm-hmm. As the sun was setting, a cry spread through the army. Every man to his town, every man to his land. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried him there. They washed the chariot at a pool in Samaria where the prostitutes bathed, and the dogs licked up his blood as the word of the Lord has declared. Amen. So what did God tell him? He said, when you die and your family dies, who's going to lick up your blood? The dog. 
He said that when he murdered who? Naboth. I want you to know, I know this story is long, and we looked at two stories, but God is still avenging who? The righteous one. The one who was accused of cursing the Lord, cursing the king. Did he curse the king and the Lord? No. The righteous man, he was accused, cursed, and they put him to death. But his death, right, it is just a trap, right? The trap, it was, it was the trap is the bait, whatever. All right, great story. We're done with First Kings and First Two. I bring this up because I really want to talk about Easter. I know it's, it's wow, it's a long build up to get to Easter. I wanted, I bring this up because every time we take uh, Eucharist or or somebody give me the English term communion pass yeah when we do when you when you do the Lord's Supper, Shadi Zadoli says this. He says when you think of the cross, when you think of the death and the the burial and the resurrection of Christ, don't be sad. Don't take it like yalla tratu sadula. I do all the time. Rubki, do what you have to do. Okay, because I'm about to finish. Okay. Um, sorry, guys. So I always get really sad until I, until the Lord re truly revealed this word to me. What was God doing? He was he had he was counseling heaven about what he was going to do to Ahab. Right? How do we, how do we put him to death? He's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to go out and he's going to conquer the land. But how do we switch the story? How do we change the story? That's the conversation. I bring this story up because I think it really fully captures what God is doing in the New Testament, right? Israel is, is they're, the, they're the tenants of the vineyard. Ahab was a tenant of a vineyard. His tribe had a land. They get greedy. He gets sinful. He wants everybody's land. He starts sinning left and right. He brings idols into the town. That's who Israel is. We're, we're, we're Ahab, or Israel was Ahab, right? The Lord gave them a tenant, like he, he gave them a land. He, he said, They took it. They did whatever they wanted to do with it. And then they get murderous when the true tenant of the vineyard enters the story. Where he, the land actually belongs to him. He's actually faithful. He actually wants to keep the land. He's, he, 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 wants to, he wants to hold what God says about him and, and, and creation. When Jesus enters the story, when Naboth enters the story, are you getting the similarities? They get murder, murderous and they get angry and they accuse him. Of what? Cursing who? God and the king. Remember that. They said, he, he said he, he was gonna be the conqueror. He's gonna overthrow you. He said he's the son of God, he must be lying. Here's the good news. When we think of the, the cross, we always think of how much the Lord loves you and me. And he does. He really does. But there's a story behind the cross that sometimes we don't fully acknowledge. The cross, Calvary, is a battleground. It is the ultimate battleground between evil and good, between death and Jesus. Right? And death Gave away, right? Death gave him the throne. He says, here you are. You have won. <laughs> but this is the truth. The, the, the truth is, when redemption, when God was planning redemption, let's say, similar to the story, what happened, God is sitting in on his, his thrones. He's counseling the, the, the Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Eternity past, they're sitting and they're counseling. They're saying, how do we change the story? How do we redeem people? How do we bring redemption into the story? And they decided a righteous has to die. 
Because if, if, they, if, if the Lord sends his son into the picture, if he sends the true vineyard keeper into the picture, if he sends the true owner of the vineyard into the story, because we're so evil, we're going to end up killing him. Because we're so evil, we're going to desire what he has, and we're going to murder him. And in that moment, the Lord decided, let them do it. We're going to flip the story. Here's why the trap itself is the bait. Acts 2, 36 and 37, don't turn there. When, when, when Peter rises up and he says, when he's preaching, he says, we killed him, what can we do? Who killed him? Israel killed him. The people killed him. They accused him and they put him to death. The true tenant of the vineyard, right? Under the color of religion. Who killed him? Who put him to death? The Pharisees, right? And the same way that Jezebel accused him, put him to death. They accused Jesus Christ of doing something he didn't do, cursing the Lord and cursing the king, and they put him to death. But the, but the death of Jesus Christ is unlike any other death, right? Josephus died. He remained dead. He didn't come back. Boy, he's dead. Yes, the Lord eventually is dead, but the, the man is underground, long gone, okay? Jesus, though, his death was just a trap. His death is the trap. The word of God, Colossians 2.15. Somebody read Colossians 2.15. This is what's happening as you turn there. Let's say there is evil in the world. There was evil in the world. They rise up and they see the true owner of the vineyard. They say, we're going to kill him. We're going to put him on the cross. And the very moment, though, our God who writes every story, he's already overseen it ahead of time, and he's funny. <laughs> and the way that he switches the scripture. The word of God says, for every man to be set free, one righteous man must die. And I wonder if evil did not know that. Because they thought they had victory the moment they put him on the cross. But the very moment, that sealed our victory. His death sealed our victory. His death, it was like a dominoes effect, right? It's like salvation started the minute he died. It was like, and then everything's how it started to fall. Jesus died, our story began. Jesus died, you and I can now enter into the kingdom of God. But his death for evil, that was a day of celebration. Do you get that? The trap itself is the bait. It's the bait that so you and I may be set free. Read what Jesus is doing on the cross. Colossians 2.15. Yes. Yeah. And having disarmed the power and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the, by the cross. Amen. Yes, Jesus loves you, but this is the, the cross. This is the story. At the very moment that death and evil thought they had victory over our God, he made spectacle out of them. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, he made spectacle out of death and evil. At that very moment, death was trapped, Right? Evil was what? Trapped. Who was set free? You and I, right? Every time you think of scripture and you think of the cross, I want you to view it in, in a way where the Lord is laughing in heaven. Who was made spectacle out, out of? Death and evil. Jesus, he had his victory in that very moment. Here's the truth. Yes, he died on the cross. That was the trap. When they afflicted him, when, when, when his body was being ripped apart, at that very moment, you and I were being saved. We were receiving full healing. Our body was being made into a temple, right? 
When, when, when he was pierced and his blood is shedding on, on, on the floor and, 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 and water is coming out of his side and, and the blood is water coming out. When, when blood was coming out of his eyes because he was crying blood, in that very moment, his blood was atoning who? Us washing away our blood. In that very moment when they were putting the, cro the, 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 the crown of, of thorn and, and they were piercing his, his brain at that, that, that very moment, you and I were being crowned with what? The crown of life. That's what the word of God says. You will be rewarded with the crown of life. That very moment when they were ripping his clothes apart, you and I were being closed with righteousness. At that very moment when they were closing the door on him and, and, and he's being rejected and buried, when the father turned his face on his own son, they had a conversation, eternity passed, they said, what would happen? And he said, I will reject you in that very moment. Jesus said, yes, let it be, do it. Because at that very moment, who was being accepted into the kingdom of God? You and me. His death is a trap. He's a trap so that you may run free, so that you may run as far as you can. When they, when, when they held him behind and they made him carry the cross so that you would never carry the burden again. That's why you laugh when you think of Easter. It's, it's, it's truly amazing what God is doing. I want you to know. Amen. I want you to know how great it is. Right? The righteous, the righteous is death. It's a chop. It's that very moment death and evil come and they collide and Jesus has victory. That very moment. Imagine, evil is rejoicing. They're dancing. You're like, yeah, 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 we got him. And that very moment, God is sitting on his throne, fully aware that he had the same conversation with who? The heaven that he counseled, his son. He counseled the spirit. The spirit said, he rose his, his hand and he says, yes, I will go resurrect him. And Jesus says, yes, I will die. I will slaughter. I, 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 I will pour my blood over the people. And, and the father willed. He said, okay, yes, go ahead. And that very moment, you and I, we were just set free. Which is why the trap itself, it's the bait. It's the bait to capture and to, to, to hold death prisoner forever. Death is prisoner forever. You and I are free forever. The righteous' death, it's not in vain. He is a king forever. The Lord is a king forever. I want us to slow down, to acknowledge what's happening at Easter. I called Nardi and I was like, girl, the Lord just blew up my mind. I was like, I just imagine, like this is, when I think of this lesson, I just imagine God sitting on his throne, Jesus on the left, Holy Spirit on the right, and just them having a conversation about how do I set Rebecca free? How do I let her free from the capture of death? And Jesus, and, and, and God says, you know, what's required is that the, the blood of the righteous would be shed. And Jesus says, I'll do it. And Holy Spirit says, I'll go. That's what I imagine. Where they're counseling, and they say, how do I save Shadi? And Jesus is like, me. Holy Spirit says, me too. I can't wait. I told Nardi this. I said, I can't wait to die. So I can go to him and I say, can you just open a portal so I can see that conversation? Can I see who came up with what idea? Which one of you volunteered first and said, I'll go? Right? That's what is happening eternity past. That the Lord counseled, decided that you are worth it. And he set a trap. I know when we think of Easter, our heart is so broken. It so it should be because he bled 
But that moment is a victorious moment. In that moment, we had victory. That very moment said, you and I will never die again. Amen. So I want you all to close your eyes. Remember that word you thought of the Lord. What is that word that came into your heart when you were thinking about God? To me, it's, he's different. Even his death is different. His death is a trap. His death, it's, it's, a, it's a moment of victory. And you will never say that about anyone else where when they died, it was victorious. His resurrection is, is victorious. His walk, it's a walk of a king. It's, it's, it's victorious. His voice is, is, is a voice of a king. It's, it's demanding. It's victorious. It's all-powerful and healing and loving and kind. Think of him again. Think of the Lord again. Think of him. Think of him. Think of him in your heart. Bring up his name in your heart. This whole week, I was amazed. I was overwhelmed by how powerful, loving, and kind, unforgetting he is. He didn't forget the death of the righteous. He didn't forget that the, the, the righteous blood was shed. And, and, and when he decided to save you and me, he made his hysterical out of death and evil he punished them he is truly a king unlike an evil selfish king he is he is selfless he's loving that's the kind of king he is he bends down and he feeds you he held your hand he carries you he loves you. He's a, his kingdom is truly different. He shares what he has. He doesn't take away. He doesn't snatch away. He said that. He gives, he gives, he gives. He gives his land. He gives his heart. He gives his love. He doesn't accuse. He loves. He doesn't condemn. He forgives. He doesn't throw out. He brings in. His kingdom is different. His death is different. This is not a new story. This isn't the first time you heard that Jesus died, therefore you had victory. But remember that Jesus, the Lord, counseled over your life, and he decided, my life for hers. Just as he said, Ahab, your life for the, the one that you set free. My life for Jesus's. Nardi's life for Jesus. The righteous one gives way. The righteous one gives his life. The righteous one gives his throne. Lord, we love you. We love you. Take a moment. Just say that one word you think will describe and, and will exalt the word of God today. To me, he's different. God, you are different. You are loving. You are kind. You are near and dear to our heart, Lord.